Welcome back, welcome all. Springtime Fringe family. That is us. Um, and you? I just want to play the singing bowl real quick and do a deep breath with everyone, if you'll join me. Well, I feel attuned. Oh, beautiful. And I'm glad you feel attuned. I felt my chakras lining up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is releasing March 20th, which is the spring equinox in our northern hemisphere. Be the autumn equinox in the southern hemisphere. Wait, what? Is the equinox now? Well, when this releases. Oh, nice. On Monday, March 20th. We'll be, we'll be at the spring equinox. So I wanted nice. to bring that to the table today. Everything equinox and balance. Um, this is a time when the sun on its axis is directly straight up. And so it's neither in tilt in either direction. So... Uh, There's an equal balance of day and night on both sides of the hemispheres. And this is when um, the sun begins to come back to us and renewal. Finally. And rejuvenation. Is this what daylight savings time is about? (laughs) Comes into play. And it's for myself personally. Uh, I consider this the beginning of the year. Uh, we're coming out of Pisces, and or we will be, and going into Aries, which is the first sign of the astrological chart, which is the... <sighs> I'm going to take another deep, deep, deep breath real quick. <laughs> um... I just want to sit and observe it's an appreciation. So, welcome. Nice. I heard um, something about astrology. Speaking of astrology, that uh, someone was looking at it, and, you know, they're trying to correlate the different signs to people's, you know, like the seasonality of food. You know, like how people, like in the summer, they generally eat more, you know, the bombs will eat more carrots and stuff, like in the in the womb. And, and um, you know, just what people eat during while they're in the womb and how that affects people like long-term, like per- not, I guess, personality, but also, you know, just physically personality, you know, all kinds of stuff. But I, th- I found that kind of interesting because I never thought about correlating that to the seasonality of food, but I guess that's a little lost nowadays in terms of seasonality because everyone eats anything every, any time of year. Well, not that I buy it. I'm just, I just heard that and I was like, Oh, that's an interesting way to look at it. So I think that, I think there is a, whenever you come into this plane, I think how can like how can the stars and the, where everything is how can that not affect and shape you like well as you come into this place exactly and that's what I am feeling immensely right now and what I was speaking about about a month ago but um you know about the the energies of the time the energies of March and that there's this big celestial happening where um 
excuse me, where there was a lot of energy coming into play and uh, what, what people in my spheres and circles of, of uh, life and community are calling the new earth energy, which has a lot to do with planetary alignments and has a lot to do af- uh, with astrologically. But many other people are saying galactically um, with entities and energies and uh, universal beings coming back to visit, but wanting to raise our vibrations um, to match that of what we are wanting for ourselves this year. And in this very moment, just presently, what are we wanting for ourselves and matching that vibration so that we can create, be the creator gods of whatever it is that we're wanting to create right now. There's a lot of energies that are uh, and cosmic energy that's pulling for us in that, in that direction of um, global healing and of personal alignments that are, you know, where the inner matches the outer, as above, so below, as within, so without. So as we all align ourselves more with our, what's calling our hearts and what's calling us, um, that's been calling us for so long is finally wanting to come to fruition. So dissolving all of that old paradigm energy whatever's been holding you back from achieving these things, let it go, let it go, align yourself, open your heart more, because there's a big, powerful shift this equinox, so that we uh, will have more energy alignment in order to be able to achieve those things. But back to what you were saying about, so you were saying that women are naturally drawn to eat more seasonally whenever they're in gestation? No, they were just saying, like, just correlating, like, different traits of people to, you know, like, nutrients and how that, like, shapes the fetus, like, just while they're, not that they're drawn to it, but just, you know, back in the day, like, when, you know, you you had to eat seasonally, but they're just saying, like, whenever you just, yeah, it just depends, like, what's being grown and then what you're eating, you know, the time of the year, like, you know, in the, I don't know what carrots, you know, just all the different vitamins those have versus, uh, you know, if you're uh, born in the winter, like, I guess it'd be like, you know, different trimesters, like in the winter, like there'd just be different, you'd just be absorbing different stuff, but I don't know. I don't, I don't really, it, I think there's something to it, but I don't fully, I don't know in terms of like personality, in terms of uh, traits and stuff, but I could definitely see it so like physically, that, but. Are you saying that the nutrients specifically correlate to the personality development of of the child that's what it's, i don't remember where i heard that but that's mm-hmm. what some some guy's theory was but right. I, I but i think they were trying to do that in terms of like dismissing like any type of astrological stuff but so i don't know i don't I don't know if it was dismissive but but it was definitely kind of like oh it's not really about the stars it's more about what you eat but <laughs> that's which, such a holistic approach to things yeah. i i i believe in a holistic approach where everything affects upon the other everything affects everything um, and it all works and t- it all works in synchronicity with with everything else. Um, I don't lean towards anything singularly. And especially in my practice of celebrating the equinox, you know, I'm 
I'm celebrating the sun. I'm celebrating uh, rebirth. I'm celebrating myself. Um, I'm celebrating just everything that is to do with the abundance and growth of new life. And in celebrating myself, speaking of astrological, um, astrologically, I've been delving back into reading my rereading my natal chart, which I like to do from time to time, just to fall back in love with myself again and attunement with myself, with uh, the alignments that I feel because because there's a lot of there's a lot to that that feels really accurate to me and it feels like truth in my body. So. We should put a link to. We'll do in the show notes like a, to do a free natal chart birth. But I was, I was yeah, uh, Astro Sofa about, has a free natal ch- uh, birth chart that's pretty, uh, pretty intensive. Yeah, and it gives you like a, a physical free, diagram too. But yeah. but speaking of like, if I like to worship something, I don't even know. Like I wouldn't pick. There's not many things I worship, but like I I definitely like worship the sun because like I remember like living in my car. And, you know, like, especially like in Colorado when it's, like, in the winter, there's nothing I look forward to. Like, when I'm freezing in my trunk, <laughs> there's nothing I look forward to more. Is I'm like, dude, when is the sun going to rise? I'm like, please, like, give me some warmth. And, and then, exactly. I don't know. Like, so when you're actually in, like, situations like that, you're, and then you, if you actually grow stuff or just actually observe the sun, you're like, oh, thank, I'm like, thank you, you're here. I'm like, thank you for your warmth and keeping me alive. And Right, precisely. And what's kind of um, ironic, but also in the balance uh, speaking about equinox, equa meaning, uh, the etymology of this is equa meaning equal, and nox meaning night, and that means that there's you know equal night for for oh. each hemisphere. So um, this is where, <coughs> because again, the sun isn't tilted on its axis on, in either direction, it's directly um, straight up. So So we all celebrate in the sun coming back in to our lives uh, in a direct way and a very powerful way so that all life can be birthed. So the celebration of the sun, it's such an ancient practice and honoring the sun, honoring the sun god and appreciation of renewal of life and growth and abundance from the sun. This has been a practice that, I mean, I always hark back to ancient wisdoms because that's whenever we were fully aligned with cosmic phenomena whenever we paid attention we were steeped Mm. in that we didn't have any modern western distraction um it's ever present in you know the the positioning of their houses and the planting seasons and the celebration seasons and um uh, the architecture and the directions that the architecture was built in. And, of course, we're all aware of, you know, of Egypt and, and the Sphinx, you know, being in alignment with, uh, direct alignment with the summer solstice, right? Which some archaeologists would say, what they would argue to say that um, they just found this rock. <laughs> and that's where the rock was positioned. But how can you explain that it's directly in alignment with the with the sun in June? with the summer solstice i mean look at in which rock what are you talking about what part the sphinx oh well the i got a, a whole thing about that like it being it because you know it's a, it was originally a lion but you could tell because if you look at it, the head is w- way smaller than the body right. so they think it was originally a lion but they said it points directly toward a i think it's during an equinox points directly toward the leo constellation yes and so they talk about like every twenty six thousand years is when it points to it and and so they were to it's specifically Graham Hancock was talking about that, where 
uh, they, he thinks it's way older. Like I forget when it, how many thousand years ago it points to it, but he thinks it was built with the timelines. He thinks he thinks it was older than it goes back all the way to the other twenty six thousand years. So he thinks it's older than that at least. But yes, speaking then, oh, to so those cycles and celebrations, and I mean, there's so many buildings, uh, uh, architecture from around the world that are examples of them celebrating the spring equinox. Like for instance, the um, Oh, Stonehenge in England. And then, you know, that reminds me of uh, Inzalo Yelanya, which is uh, in Africa, and which is referred to as Adam's calendar. And um, it's known as, as the world's oldest calendar and most, and actually the world's most accurate calendar and, el and oldest. That reminds me, have you heard, I've seen videos of this where people, they go to, Ethiopia and they say like what year is it and they're like in 2014 because like yeah we don't use that Gregorian calendar like we're right. we have our own calendar system but exactly. and then you talking about uh old architecture like and I know there's been studies about this about how uh you know how uh what direction your head faces when you sleep like you're supposed to like sleep to the north I've heard from north to south but I've heard, yeah I've also heard different things where like you don't want to have like a positive to a positive but I don't but I've heard I think sleeping to the north is the best and then uh I've always also, found it that way like in, you know, yeah. in Native Americans, their teepees, their the entrance always face the east so that, yeah. you know, just so that sun can rise. Sunlight, so that you can rise because whenever the sun starts to come into your eyes, that's whenever you start to naturally rise. That's why with tech and people being on their phones late at night, the melatonin doesn't get to rise in your brain the way it's supposed to. And this is why people have so many sleep disturbances. So, you know, you're, you're able to sleep because... Uh, especially if you sun gaze, if you sun gaze and you watch a sunset, the melatonin rises in your brain, you become relaxed, and then you're able to, to sync up with your own natural biorhythms and go to bed with ease and stay asleep and then rise with the sun. I heard someone say, you, I think they did studies on it, but even if you have like a laser, like on your foot, like your calf or something, even that affects your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. So I just, they're talking about just the importance of, you know, not having yeah. lights late at night, but yeah, I need detection of light. And one more, speaking of another, you know, equinox seasonal thing. I remember, I wish I would have saw it when I was there. I didn't realize it was there, but at Chaco Canyon with the old Anasazi ruins somewhere around there, there's that old, uh, ancient, I guess it's like, yeah, it's a calendar where, you know, there's like a spire, someone like etched a spiral on a rock and it's wedged in between these two rocks. And so the, there's like a beam of light that comes and then in the, in the yes, winter, the right. light, it's at the very end of the spiral. And then, uh, you know, summer equinox, it's right in the middle. And then, you know, spring, it's like wait on this part of the spiral, I'll put yes. a picture up. But it's so there's so many natural structures and ancient structures that paid attention to the seasons and lived by the seasons and lived by the cosmos and the alignments of the cosmos, the sun, the moon. And how important that was to them, and especially our own natural, like you're saying, circadian rhythms, our biorhythms, our own natural seasonal living. And we're just, we're programmed differently now. So I encourage everyone, if you do acknowledge the equinox, which is hard to do because it's, it's ingrained and built into our very DNA and our own systems, even though those have been reprogrammed and trained out of us, um, just to like, just to, I don't know how you celebrate, but if if you do, it's just to go outside, be barefoot, acknowledge the sun, give gratitude and thanks to the plants and 
and to the light and to the warmth and just to be present in nature and be present with yourself and to to um, show some gratitude for what is and where we are in the present moment. And in some cultures, they celebrate from the 20th to the 23rd. Um, it just depends on where the solstice lands on, on their own personal calendars. And I'm all about that three-day celebration because, I mean, for me, spring is, spring is sprung as a gardener and as a homesteader and as a person who, who just spends a lot of time um, frolicking in nature. Uh, I just pay attention to when. Um, spring has sprung for me whenever buds start to break and grass starts to show and the animals start changing behavior and I can feel the warmth of the soil and I can see the shifting of the sun that it was very low setting and now it's rising and, and uh, you know, the alignment of the constellations and so I notice in my cold showers I'm like oh it's not as mm -hmm. cold anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just took one right before we started recording us oh, so speaking lovely. about being in the sun I heard that admit they said that like if you do three times a week like 20 minutes at a time like tanning you know just getting sunlight and then uh you know not a shirt on you know like as much skin as you can yeah that uh that it, like re releases free testosterone in your body and like all these other mm -hmm. hormones that it's you know, vitamin D, I heard uh, that it's responsible for, like, like that uh, expression of, like, a thousand of your genes, which mm -hmm. I think we have, like, 26,000. I don't remember how many we have, like, 24, 25,000 or something. But, but uh, and how that, you know, just allows, opens up all your stuff to get flowing and that, just how how great it is for your hormonal health, let alone your, your because your skin's an Precisely. organ, so like, it needs, it needs that vitamin. It needs it. And most but vitamin D. It's not just, yeah, it's not just your skin like you said and it and vitamin d is responsible for so many different um interactions in your body and transactions taking place like um and so many other vitamins actually they need vitamin d for synthesis and um right it's like a precursor right <clears throat> so i like to like i was i was just um in my reels on instagram today talking about how i like to take my my super smoothie <laughs> that I make every day after I do a little, I do a moderate amount of intermittent fasting and I'll take it outside and I'll get as naked as I can, uh, if not naked and drink it in the sun. And, um, you, you have to really stay outside for at least 15 to 20 minutes in order for the melanin to activate in your skin. It's longer for people with more melanin in their skin. But yeah, darker people yeah, need more time. At least 15 minutes in the sun, barefoot on the ground, eating a piece of fruit. Like, you just arm, take, if you just take your break. Sun, that's yeah. my favorite because it's like, because you, when you lift up your arms, you see how white they are. So I'm like, there's something right. too, like, you know, where the sun don't shine. And I hate people like uh, the liver king and shit. We're talking about like, you know, butthole tanning. And they, you know, just, that guy was just such a joke. So it gives it a bad name. But I think there's something to get in like your ass, your genitals, your armpits, like in the sun. Like it feels well, your amazing. Your butthole also is, it's amazing because it absorbs seven times faster than any other soft tissue, like uh, sensitive membranes in your body. You have, you know, other sensitive membranes, but that skin is so sensitive that it actually absorbs it seven times Mine's faster. A bushy, so, so it's kind of, like, like, block, so. <laughs> it's kind of like, um, you know, the quick, it's a, it's a quick button. 
button. <laughs> it looks like a little button. Just yeah. it's a pleasure button too. Um anyway, what were we what what were we speaking on before we went on the butthole uh, tanning tangent? The only thing I can think of was <laughs> I was thinking about it's sad that people have to, I mean I guess it's good to supplement in the winter but like vitamin D3 tablets like that uh I mean you know it's just get the mm. sun man it's the way easier natural way to do it but and I remember learning I remember learning this when I was vegan that like most of those are made out of like chicken feathers and like just old shit like that and I was like what mm-hmm. and I'm like these aren't even vegan and I was like right. I don't know I just I don't know it's just I'm like dude just it's get just, just highly go in the processed sun. animals and and that's you know so I guess I'm glad they're using the scraps of it I guess but yeah but memories stored in tissues and issues are Ooh. stored in the tissues. Good so I, w- I would like to talk about just for a split second while we're on that subject is is speaking about sourcing your meat and where you source your meat is really vitally important. Not just because we where we source our meat um, perpetuates a, a system of abuse and a corporate control, but also uh, that that it's. I mean, this is scientifically proven too. If that's something that you need as a person for for uh, debate debatable purposes, but issues are stored in the tissues, and experiences, memory is stored in the tissues. So be careful what tissues you eat and where they come from. Is I, my point. I found this. I was listening to this uh, audio book, Stiff by Mary Roach, and she was talking about. She went on a, on a tangent on this part, but she's like, "Oh, sorry, I'm just kind of going up." But she was talking about. There was, it was like in 1981, there was like an army study, because they're trying to just, they're, this is back when they were big into remote viewing and stuff, but they're, they took these cheek cells from a guy, and then they put them in, you know, I don't, I don't know what, like, Petri dish or something, mm-hmm. and then the they took the guy who they took the swab from, and they put him in another room, and then they showed him, like, violent videos, like, of, I don't know what they were, the hell they were showing mm-hmm. him. And then, you know, he had a reaction, you know, he was like, oh, and then they said the cells in the next room had a, a quote, extreme agitation right. and, and uh, just saying how, it was, you know, the, the entanglement of that. And then they said they did it at, like up to 50 miles like they do it in the, the, the cheek cells would show like agitation. It's just proof of quantum entanglement. Like you were telling me about the rabbit that was taken from her from her bunnies. And were you telling me about that? I don't know. And Go she on. was she was put into a submarine. It just seems so intense of a. <laughs> okay, so so there was this experiment. Don't you love science? Maybe this maybe this was something that I was watching because I. It it's funny familiar. that you bring up remote viewing because I was just um, I was just watching. I went down a, another rabbit hole of remote viewing because I've been praying at night while everyone's been sleeping. I've been meditating, to um. The energies that be, my higher self, my my inner truth to bring back uh, through loving myself completely, every single cell, every single piece um, of, of myself. I want to bring back my greatest, strongest gifts that were very uh, powerful and present before I experienced um, what most people would label as CPTSD now. And so I've been reconnecting with her and that and, and those things and also integrating and lacing in who I am today and weaving this new version um, because we can we are the creator gods of ourselves, and we can become whomever 
uh, that version that we want to be at any at any time. And so, uh, where where was I before I went on that tangent? A rabbit in the submarine. Okay, so um, there Remote was an experiment, that. right? There was an experiment about quantum entanglement. And I'm not sure if it was specifically about quantum entanglement, but they took a mother rabbit and they separated her from her brood. What do we, what do we call? Anyway, from her litter. litter, from her litter. And they put her in a submarine and took her out into the water. At least this is how I remember it. And they separated her from her litter. And then they killed two of the bunnies. And they said that in um, the mother was deeply distressed, even though she was a ridiculous amount of miles away. And um, that is something I can relate to with my children. I can always feel when they're in distress. Or I can, I can feel them all the time <laughs> when they're coming, when they wake up, when they're... Um, but yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's awful that we're so detached from our own human nature that we'd have to conduct exper these cruel experiments, you know, by modern science in order to prove things that we all... If we were still connected with ourselves, we innately know. And this, these are things that we would innately know uh, pre-programming. So this is why I'm always speaking with people about programming themselves, about you know deprogramming, unlearning and relearning for yourself what your own personal truths are and to get closer to what that is every day. Um, especially through practicing what we were speaking on in the last episode, which is the six doctors. And I wanted to kind of, um, I wanted to expound upon that with just a few advices on focusing on what those were, which were, um, you know, uh, nutrition, sleep, movement, uh, water, sun, and, and breath, uh, fresh air. And so my immediate advices for that would be uh, to pre-cook nutritious, nutritious food um, that are mostly whole foods, that are the cleanest you can possibly obtain for yourself, uh, the cleanest versions of those, having mindfulness in source of food, growing your own food as much as possible. If you have one window in your apartment, you can grow some food, you can grow some herbs, you can grow a few things, you can hang baskets and, and grow your tomatoes, wh whichever, whatever it may be, grow your favorite stuff. Um, so it'd be food and then sleep, just having, getting adequate sleep, allowing yourself to rest, taking naps if need to, if need be. Uh, movement exercise would be just dance if you if you haven't danced in a long time you know there's a lot of ancient wisdoms that would um ask you you know if you came to them in distress and they say well when was the last time you danced when was the last time you cried when was the last time you laughed um so in movement dance sex self-love go for a walk walk barefoot in the grass move around, just move, you know, just uh, see how fast you can sprint up the street, stretch, just really playing with your body. Um, and then 
with fresh water, changing your relationship to water. So bottled bottled water is dead water. Um, if you can get to a water machine, that's probably, you know, 10 times, a thousand times better than drinking water out of the tap or out of the bottle. Um, and yeah, then don't touch tap water, man. <laughs> no bueno. Livening up water, um, spiraling it and talking to it because water also holds memory and sound flows through water faster than uh, even air. So whenever we, that reminds us to speak to ourselves with kinder words, to love every droplet of water in our body fully. So changing our relationship to water. And then sunbathing, I get the luxury, well, it's not as luxurious as it used to be because we've had so many new people move into our spaces out here. But to be naked in the sun, um, to, you know, even just just as much skin exposed to the sun as possible, sunbathe, have a conversation with the sun, have a conversation with the air. Um, if you could drink fresh living water while breathing in the sun and eating a piece of fruit while you're barefoot um, and dancing or singing, all of these things, uh, just experiencing yourself elementally within the elements and practicing mindfulness with the six doctors. And you will notice how quickly you elevate, how quickly you elevate your own vibration and how much you start to truly manifest in your life because your vibration is, you're just a buzzing with life and you're more connected with yourself and, and with the all. I heard uh, that Huberman guy talking about that, like adding one to that being relationships just in terms of, you know, human social dynamics and how that's like essential to our health too. Like sure there's, yeah. sure there's some people who are more naturally inverted, but introverted, but mm -hmm. just the benefit, you know, cause we're social beings. So just the benefits of, you know, yes. caring about people and like having, you know, interest and just the benefits, you know, obviously that's, that's a, uh, because well, I don't know if you're like if you're in the desert, you know, all by yourself and you're wandering out. Like, a the first thing you're going to want is water, which is one of those. And then mm -hmm. you're not going to nobody nobody comes crawling out of the desert and say, like, "Man, I could really go for a soda right now." But <laughs> and then but not, then you also want to like find people a for help. But yeah, just mm. for the like, oh, finally some some uh, human contact. Yeah. And uh, another thing on water, I remember him saying the just how our organs are different like at different times of the day, like people just think they're the same all throughout the day. But mm -hmm. and he was talking about how he was talking to some other guy who had some, he had a problem with uh, peeing in the middle of the night, like getting up at 3 a.m. and peeing. And then some, this guy was telling him an easy fix for that is uh, at the end of the night, you know, most people, some people, I used to do this when I was in high school and for soccer, I would just chug a bottle of water because I was like, man, yeah, eight hours is a long time to go without water. But he, yeah, he, but he just said to trickle it. And then, like, when you wake up, that's the time to chug it because that's when you're – I don't remember what organ he was talking about, but that's when your body's more able to, like you, – because you need a lot more when you wake up to yeah. to just get everything flowing and stuff. So I, I thought that was mm -hmm. interesting because I do, do – sometimes do that before I go to right. bed, I just chug. But I don't also, really, I don't really have – there could be a correlation with that in your organs and waking up at 3 a.m. Be because that's, like – uh, that that is the best time to practice uh, intuitive or psychic uh, abilities or to commune 
with ancestors or commune with um, whomever you want to reach out to because that's like the that's the sensitive uh, as they call the witching hour <laughs> which has been given a really bad connotation but um, there's uh, there's reasons you're waking up at 3 a.m. And of course, if you have to pee, you want to exchange, you have to exchange out your water. It's kind of like changing your oil. So you have to bring more water into your body if you're, uh, you know, losing water. You get to exchange it out because that's what your kidneys do. They filter the water from your blood, all the impurities, and then um, you're able to, to bring in new life into your blood. Water is life. I agree with him about the relationships too. But I think firstly it's it's important to change our relationship with self. Um, and thusly that shifts the relationship we have with the all, with um, source, with God, if you will. And then um, we're able to pour that into everyone else. Uh, another thing about the organ thing he was talking about, like if you take ashwagandha, how that like lowers cortisol levels. But mm -hmm. uh, he said, like you, you want naturally more cortisol because cortisol isn't like always bad, but like you want because you naturally have more of it when you in the AM hours. And so you want more. He's basically saying to take that like late day at you know midday, late day to so you won't have less cortisol when you go to sleep because that keeps you up and stuff too. But mm -hmm. the uh, I don't I just found that interesting about all these different organs and different time. You know just how they have different you know, jobs during different hours. Right. Yeah, exactly. Your own body has its, you have body clock. Everything has its own season. And I mean, whenever you, th whenever you know that your, your body is its own universe in itself and its own um, ecosystem in itself and that everything functions much like when, the, when the inner becomes the outer, the outer becomes the inner, like I was saying earlier, um, uh, so without, as within, uh, when you start to understand that all systems operate this way, that nothing operates independently or, um, you know, that, it, that it's all, it's, it's all its own ecos ecosystem. We actually reflect the earth as well. We're like a microcosm of the, uh, macrocosm of, of the earth and all of her different systems and functions and it's so beautiful. <laughs> beautiful how I guess everything falls into relationships too but i heard that there was like some study with old people and like they did a hundred of them and 50 of them were taking care of a house plant and 50 weren't and the 50 that took care of the house plant lived longer which i guess because mm -hmm. you know i guess you have a, a you're tending to something you're taking care of something so i guess that's relationship as well but yes do you remember that experiment um that kind of went viral some years ago but it was about a principal who had everybody write their name on a balloon and then they released them out into the hallway and they had uh -oh. everyone try to find their own name and everyone failed. No one could find their own name. But then they said, OK, go back in the classrooms. We're going to reset. We'll do it again. And this time we want you to find your classmates names. And so one by one. Um, everyone ended up finding each other's names for them and including, uh, and they got their own balloon back as well. And there weren't any balloons left in the hallway. So, I mean, tending to others and, and he being helpful to others and showing others uh, compassion and love and 
Yeah, and just less less ego, less me, me, me. Like, where's my balloon? Yeah. Me, me, my, actually, my name. Versus like, like, oh, I found Joe's. Like, let me go give this to Joe. And like, it actually ended up helping you, uh, because because someone else gave you back your name as well. Yeah, and it's just more efficient, and yeah, it makes sense. And I was listening. I've been the audiobook I've been listening to. Uh, stiff like there's some they're talking about some crazy she was talking about some crazy shit in there but like harping back to you talking about the weird stuff we have to do to figure stuff out like there's there's for a while there you know an old, old ancient debate of like where does the soul live in the body and some people th- thought it was the heart some people thought it was the the brain you know some about the pineal gland and they're talking about these fuck it was like in france but they're doing all kinds of crazy shit like they would like after they'd guillotine some heads they There'd be a couple times they'd take them, and then a uh, a guy would, you know, they were trying to figure out if it, because they say like when they did it, like the, some of the there'd be like people they thought for you know at least thirty seconds they'd still be alive, like because they said like their uh, teeth would be grimacing and obviously they can't talk because their vocal cords are gone, but and then they just like eyes blinking and stuff, but and then so they would like try to they try to like reattach they put like uh, cow's blood in them and like. And just to like see if like it can what would happen. There's like a blood supply back in there, and and then you know there was like some movement and stuff. So then I think that's kind of like why they got rid of the guillotine because because they used to say it was the most humane way to do it. And then one guy, I can't remember the time frames of these, but it was all like in, you know weird European times. But they like put it one dog's head and they attached it to this other dog's head, and they got it to like live for I think like eight days. But uh, I think the main dog they kept like you know trying to attack each other because obviously they're like what the hell is this thing on me and they're this foreign entity attached to me but i'm like it, just to, just to think i'm like what is the point of these studies but uh, uh, but she was talking about how they were thinking this could be used to like for a paraplegic because people think it's called a head transplant but they're saying it's more like a body transplant so like mm-hmm. if there's like a paraplegic guy if you can put it on a working body then it might work and they're doing that shit to monkeys and it's just like you know, like, what is it, like, what, is this, is any of this necessary? Like, A, just, like, the killing of these poor animals, but also, yeah, just the, I mean, I guess it's, like, different times and shit, but I'm like, man, that is, like, absurd, just even, like, who's, who's trying this shit, but. It makes me so uneasy, the cruelty through curiosity. Yeah. Well, there, she was talking about, like, certain, like, law applications, like, there is a, this was, because there's, like, legally, like, you're dead considered dead if you're brain dead so you're there's like because the whole book's about cadavers and (laughs) all the glory that and stuff that cadavers have done for us like anywhere from like crash test dummies to uh well not dummies they're real bodies but you know like practicing surgeries and all all kinds of stuff but just the study of human anatomy yeah and just you know just to use it for like the closest to real world application but there was a where was i going with that I can't remember, but... I don't know, you were just sharing bits of the book. Uh, there was what one, is this book called? Stiff. Stiff. There was one part, I thought it was interesting, with like heart transplants. There, uh, and Some people were like trying to dismiss it afterwards, she was saying, but there's like people who get heart transplants and they swear they take on like personality traits of the person. Like mm-hmm. there was a, there's like a 60-year-old guy who got like a 17-year-old uh, heart, heart transplant. Then he said after that he started to listen to loud music and headphones and like something right. he's never done before. This is what I'm saying. Classic teenager thing. And there is one it's stored in the tissues. One woman who she got a heart transplant of a former prostitute, which I don't think she knew. But then she said afterwards she started 
renting X-rated movies and uh, just being more promiscuous and ha- demanding sex from her husband every night. And then, right. And so I don't know, shit like that's fascinating. Oh, goodness. Every time, see, this is why I'd love to compare notes pre-show because um, I always come up with things that I know, um, you know, that, that, that ping back into my memory after after we finish recording that I would have loved to be able to bring up in the show because there's so many stories that I know like this, especially um, one that comes to mind is the eye transplant that happened in the 70s. They actually made a couple of movies about it. Uh, but th- but you hear these, these stories all the time that um, the people started getting visions of uh, their death or of the person's death that donated the eyes. Yeah, it's happened with hearts too, yeah. Right, so so people that are, are blind and they get the eye transplants and they're able to see, they start seeing visions of um, the of just memories, memories that are stored in the eyes. Would you uh, would you donate uh, your organs to transplant or because she was talking about. When some people they you know they agree to donate their body to science, but that's such a vague thing. Like sometimes they use it to, for like ballistics. I don't know if they still do, right. but they you know they'd cut a, someone's job is to cut a, dead people's heads off, and then they they get used from anything from yeah like surgeons practicing uh, like cuts and stitches and mm-hmm. to like even like ballistics to like just getting shot in the face and like all sorts like, of things. Po- they don't tell you what yeah, your like, body goes to. And they're just like, like yeah, that'd be it that sounds great, but then like but they don't yeah they don't tell you like oh grandpa got used to. <laughs> just get shot in the head you're like wow that's great but right but it, i don't know but yeah i was talking about how cadavers yeah they've they've done a they've done a lot for us for and then you know just that so many organ there's like eighty thousand people on like right. a heart transplant list but and how many how many how few people do it but so i am an organ donor and in my will i do i do uh i mean i am an organ donor but that would be fascinating to just donate my whole body to science but really i want to be eaten by vultures off the side of a, a cliffside, or have a Viking funeral, or I mean, um, if I if I were to die young, I would definitely want to. I wouldn't want it to go to science. I'd want it to go to like right. use my organs type of thing. But I love all of these beautiful new technologies too, because I'm really about. Um, I don't really appreciate the Western practices of of burial and the whole uh, the whole. Um, our ritual of that oh yeah what i'm saying is like the the monetization of death and and the whole yeah it's more expensive to die than it is to be born and and just the racket that has been created around death it really pisses me off actually but um i love that there's all these new innovations like um because i was going to say i'd even love to be planted underneath uh, a fruit tree but now there's ways um there's all these technologies and ways to be able to do that. There's like uh, you can be put into like a burial bags, and you can be put into a reef, and you can be, and you can have a tree growing out of you. And um, so we're actually harking back to, to natural practices of burial, and I love that. Just, just being able to be reabsorbed back into the system of of Earth naturally, it it excites me. Yeah, she was talking about the just the practice of you know because. I'm assuming it's very, I don't know what they do in other countries, but I'm assuming it's very American because that's where it started, but the practice of embalming and how that's, you know, because every funeral open, they didn't use, they didn't have open casket funerals until like the late right. 1800s because that started with uh, in the Civil, was it Civil War in the 1800s? Yeah, because they were, 
you know, soldiers would die, and then, you know, the, the family members don't have anything from them, so they, they had to figure out ways to ship the bodies back, so they'd practice this thing of embalming, mm-hmm. so, so so they could ship it for, so the family could see it, but, and then now we have, that's like the standard, but that that's such a recent thing, and then yeah, she is. was talking about how, because uh, I, I, I thought, this is what I used to think, because I thought when you're embalmed, I thought you're like that, like, like forever, for like hundreds of years, but she was saying, like, it's uh, just, she's fresh, still, just long enough. She's, yeah, <laughs> just to get some makeup on you to for this weird thing. Because I remember going to a, a funeral. Well, it's a ritual. Uh, it was uh, uh, my ex's grandma at the time. And then I, I just remember, like, you know, it was an open funeral. And I remember, like, uh, you know, she did a lot for me. So I remember, like, seeing her in there. And I remember, like, touching her hand. And my, my first thought was, damn, dude, she is ice cold. And then mm-hmm. she was like, there, there's, like, that's just the shell of that person. Like, they are not in there anymore. I know that's that's her body, but I'm like, that's... That's nothing, but but yeah, speaking back to the embalming, the uh, yeah, I thought it lasted forever. But she said there was like a couple <coughs> undertakers who would advertise uh, the that it's like eternal and like so. And then some some guy took him up on it, and like every five years he would dig up his grandma and then to, to see to see how she was. And I, I forget how long it took, but eventually you do, you do still turn to mush, like you you still dissolve. But I guess you're still in a box, but. <coughs> What do you drink on these podcasts? Every it's time you just water, <laughs> you're always. <laughs> it must be something in here, <clears throat> or it's just that season. <clears throat> oh, my voice! Wow. I'm trying to remember what else was interesting on there. I, I'm only like three quarters of the way, but the. Nice. Oh, well, you would ask me if I would want to donate my oh, body, right. and Your and um, just speaking about. <clears throat> tissues uh retaining memory and uh uh, the importance of reprogramming our water in our body a lot of trauma work um i'd want to that really just makes me want to uh rewrite the traumas in my body even more so that when anyone did receive anything donated by my body that it would be um, just beautiful memories stored in my tissue, and it would be a wonderful time, <laughs> hopefully for them. Um, since personality traits uh, show up so frequently, yeah, because I remember such a frequent. I remember hearing such a frequent people talking. How could it not be truth? You remember? I remember hearing people talk about they don't want to be organ donors because if they get in a car wreck, they're if they see that they're like, oh yeah, let's you know let them die so they can use the organs, but that's not really a a thing but they were talk uh damn what was i going with that organs oh, i can't remember one thing i one thing i remember is this was back to the nah, i don't want to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> oh well um earlier much earlier uh in the episode, we were talking about um, the calendars, ancient calendars and ancient architecture. And, um, excuse me, one that I had forgotten was uh, in Germany, the, the Neolithic hinge. In fact, there was also this uh, newspaper article that I stumbled upon recently. It was written in 1858. January 6th uh, by the Raftsman Journal. 
an article called Antiquities in America, and it discusses the many ruins and structures from around our continent that are not officially discussed in history. And so it got me thinking about like the, uh, the labyrinth of caves in the Grand Canyon that are filled with Egyptian and anti, uh, antediluvian relics. Antediluvian? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Um, Deluge? <laughs> Deluvian? Um, I've never heard that word before. <coughs> That's another deep dive. <laughs> yeah, have you ever seen those? Um, it's like all over the world, but there's like... I think I'm pretty sure it's specifically a bird-headed guy, but he's always like it looks like he's carrying like a little bag, and then he mm-hmm. he always has like a spiral. Oh, I watch him with like I don't know if it's like a I think it's like a little star pattern, but uh that that it's those specific things and the bird head is specifically it's like in like Mexico, it's in Egypt, it's like it's like all over the place. Right. But, so but those are the blue bir- those are the blue bird people, the blue aliens, and they say that the I've heard that the watch is actually it's like an old sundial, so it's literally a watch and or some people believe that it could be um the way that they communicate or the way that they materialize here there's a lot of theories around that around that watch you were saying uh i just remember reading and uh, i think this was fingerprints of the gods but it was talking it was talking about that specifically and how and like i think it was the mayan culture but they had some belief about some visitor that was like i think he was white or white haired that would and then the theory is like yeah there's like literally like people back then like traveling what yeah whether it's physically on boats or through like star portals or whatever Mm -hmm. but that they were you know just going around i don't know if they were like assisting in the construction of stuff but you know people the standard narrative of history is like oh you know we came out of africa and then you know people crossed the land bridge and then came down but like when you there's so many things that like go against that timeline precisely especially okay so speaking to this um it, it gets me thinking about uh like i was saying earlier the spheres of uh and friends and community that i uh play in we're all talking uh they're all talking about <coughs> um you know the ufo sightings and the orb sightings and us raising our vibration and going into walking into new earth and being able to um, hopefully within this year get to a point of uh, reintroducing ancient technologies that we once had and being able to uh, be open enough and in love enough to make contact and for there to be contact with um, the, with the Galactic Federation. Oh boy. <clears throat> it's very interesting. So, I mean, we all know that our history is a lie, that most history is a lie, that it's rewritten and that there's a lot that's been reprogrammed, that we've been reprogrammed. Um, I am open to to these ideas to these ideas surrounding the new earth energy 
and that there's new technologies that are going to come into play because that's the energy that we're in with the cosmic alignments. Um, and that there will be new eyes, uh, fresh eyes to see. And um, I used to believe in aliens a lot, but that was back when it went against the grain of thinking. But uh, I remember that uh, Bill Cooper, who wrote Behold the Pale Horse, he was talking about yeah. how he he came to the conclusion that, you know, because he was finding, I can't remember his story, but I remember he was finding all the, basically he came to the conclusion that he was finding evidence that the government was wanting him to find this, like, you know, UFO alien stuff. And then, so he came to the conclusion that, oh yeah, it was like a, a setup and that they wanted him to, but, and then I'll, and, you know, cause I used to, but now when I start seeing UFO shit on like CNN, and, I mean, I don't watch it, but I hear people talking about that. Like it's on like mm -hmm. mainstream news and like the government's talking about it and, I'm just like, I don't know anymore now. Because the whole theory behind that is that they, if they create an alien invasion, and that makes like a global war, it's like a planetary war, mm -hmm. if, it, if, they, if it's like that. And so they, that's grounds to create like a one world government because now we can, we need like a global military because now we got to fight these things. But so I don't know. I, I, I'm just hesitant to, to believe in it, especially not as so like mainstream thinking now. Like, but I don't know. I, I, I but I'm open. I'm open, I'm still open that yeah, there are like, you know. Well, there's always going to be that trickster energy and that energy. Four D chess. Those energies that exactly, those energies that want to <clears throat> practice sleight of hand and keep you focused on on another problem or to right. have you play right into their hand so that they can uh, gain power and control. I feel like it's those, uh, I do feel that old, hmm. it's like that old boxing trick where people are like, look over here and they're like, shaking this hand and they're like, bam, hit you with this one. They're like, it's that yes. kind of thing. But, but also that isn't the reality that I want to live in. So that's not the reality that I choose to accept. And I do because I am a global feeler. I have always been, um, my, like my mom used to always say, you can't take on the weight of the world on your shoulders, honey, because I used to just, uh, I used to cry. I used to, you know, feel, I feel everything and everyone, um, quite intensely at times. So <clears throat> sometimes it's even difficult to decipher what is mine and what is others, um, if I'm out of balance with myself. But whenever I am in a two minute alignment, I feel like I have been in, in practicing on staying in a two-minute alignment uh, very consciously lately because I do feel these shifts and because I do the things that I have um, been studying and the information that has been brought to me, some of it really does ring like truth. Just in, in regards to aliens, is that what you're saying? You not necessarily um, aliens as they've been, you know, shown to us or taught to us, but just interdimensional beings and us all being interdimensional beings ourselves, especially in thinking like you you had mentioned earlier about how these time travelers. I, I see them as possibly being our future selves coming back uh, because all time exists all at once, 
right? It's spherical. It's not linear, but we're taught to think linear, linearly. So if, like, I think we spoke on this once about the grays being um, a, possib- a possible timeline of us as future selves being, uh, you know, I just, I don't believe that we're the only species or living beings. Obviously, we're not. I mean, if you look at a teaspoon of soil, there is a whole universe in that. So, of course, there's universes within universes within universes within universes. And I just don't believe, I don't feel that other life looks like us or is going to present to us like ourselves. But I'm, um, and also, some things are just really undeniable. That also Energy is undeniable. Mm Mm-hmm also brings up what the argument of like if people believe in non-embodied consciousness like the like they think life like has to have a body like has to be in this like you know earthen like legged form but i mean if you if you ever if you if there's a if you saw a video of like an octopus you've never seen an octopus before and they like nasa says look at this thing we found and you saw that thing in space you're like whoa look at that fucking that's definitely an alien it like changes communicates with its body and like it's a you know it's uh, just all that weird things that octopus do, but and then um, what was I gonna talk about? Oh, aliens. But okay, what I was saying though is that if you if you're closed off to the idea, or if you're closed off to that part of your imagination, of course you're not going to be able to see. If if you don't believe, you're not going to be able to receive that energy, and you're not going to be able to vibrate into that place uh so um yeah and there's still always been like ancient depictions of aliens too and whether it's uh you know like orbs or you know actual mm-hmm. physical entities and i've even seen like uh, it's up to debate what it is but there's like this old renaissance painting where there, it literally looks like a ufo in the background and and like I, there's all these like native american tales of aliens and shit and like, people who live out in the desert, like, yeah, we see, yes. like, wild shit all the time, dude. But what about anything? Are you open or have you experienced? How do you experience your own brand of spirituality? Or, you know, what's how your cosmic sauce? My own brand yeah, have of spirituality? You, yeah. Have you ever had any energetic um, communications or visualizations? Yeah, I remember, I mean, I've had definitely on, like, DMT, I've seen, they were, like, these little, like, light, the, the best I could describe it is it looked like light ribbons, but, mm-hmm. um, and I remember one time, you know, I was literally just flying around this, like, what looked, the classic thing, what looked like a giant room, like a big egg of a dome or something, but it was, like, massive, but, and I remember, like, flying around this, I remember the, the feeling I had was this thing was showing me around, and we were, like, having fun, and, like, just flying through all these shapes and colors and i remember one point it, it was so grand and then it like took me into like it felt we were getting squeezed in this like little like bottleneck of a thing and then and then like we like but as soon as we passed something it just went and like opened up and it was going to the music i was listening to too but and then it just like opened up into this like other other portal and i remember one time uh i was listening to bi- binaural beats on my 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 nice headphones mm-hmm and uh, I can't remember if I had a, a small bit of cannabis, but there's because I did it a couple times with and without. But I remember one time, like listening to it, 
and then like uh you know have my eyes closed and just kind of like meditating to it and then i remember it's hard to describe but my perspective you know was in this kind of 3d left right up down kind of world and then my experience was that and it kind of like shifted up and there's like a whole nother like plane demand i don't know how to it's hard to describe but just another it's kind of like the best i can describe it is like walking on land your whole life and then you get in the ocean and you're like oh like i can go down now like i, I can't do that on land but it was like kind of like that but like up and i was like oh yeah. there's like a whole th but it was like i remember like there's a lot of vibration going on but I don't know. That's the best way I can describe it. It's just like from mm -hmm. land to water, but up. And I was like, whoa, I can like, there's like a whole other dimension up there. Yes. But yeah, DMT was totally different because it was just, <clears throat> yeah, you're not even like earth inbound. Like I remember one time and I've heard other people, you know, like you talk about like tunnels in your dreams, but I was in this like Wormholes. tunnel that you'd mm -hmm. fly. It was just how I, I remember describing it. it was just like a, a tunnel of information. Like it was just flying. There's all kinds of warpy stuff and shapes. And then, mm -hmm. then I remember then, there occasionally times I would just shoot out of the tunnel and I'd be in this whole other like dimension of like just a whole other world of like than what was going on in that tunnel. It's like different shapes and experiences. And it, was, it, it felt like I was in there forever and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then I'd shoot back into the tunnel and that the when I'd shoot out of it, it was such a grand experience. I totally even forgot about the tunnel because I was so in this other thing. And then, uh, and you know, it feels like forever you're in there. Then I sh shot back in the tunnel and I was like, oh yeah, this, I remember this tunnel. And then you're, because that in itself was amazing. I'd shoot out again, being a whole nother other thing. And then, you know, I'd, I'd just be so in the moment. And then once I go back in the, I was like, oh yeah, this, I remember this tunnel again. And then, you know, I forgot how many times I did that, but. So I call that interdimensional traveling. <clears throat> I do. I've sure always like done it. that in my dreams. Um, and sometimes even in waking life, if I can meditate, uh, or I, I tend to daydream a lot. <clears throat> And I'm able to just traverse the, the wormholes. And um, what I call like shooting through time. So you can find side tunnels where you can shoot back and forth through through different um, places and times. And, and sometimes uh, it's a giant spiral that spirals up. And there are these nodes that I can tap into and then it'll suck me right into a pocket of time. And like you said, you can remember, you can remember the tunnels, especially whenever you're um, lucid dreaming. You can remember the tum tunnels and be able to shoot back into the tunnel. Uh, I don't speak to a lot of, of this in the open and I'm wanting to more and more. I've kept it to myself for a long time. I think since I extracted myself from my family because <clears throat> for one reason um my mother i come from firstborn daughters uh seven at least seven generations back and they were they're all practicing w witches and um <clears throat> i'm very proud witches and so in ceremony they used to use me to go transcendental because I can go transcendental quite easily. I can tap into the intention uh, and the question. And sometimes it will bring me to a, a different place and I won't realize that I had a vision of, of um, something else. Uh, being a future seer, sometimes I get cross-connection and cross-wiring. And so uh, anyway... For a long time, I had trained myself away from 
all of my abilities, uh, gifts, if you will, and I just used them for myself, um, but never really brought them to the to the public realms, but only used them as in a private uh, way. But now I've been called um, by my guides uh, to to bring this more to the public realms and that there's purpose in that and that it's meaningful and to relinquish any uh, fear around that. But I haven't, I've searched myself because fear didn't fit. It's not fear. I think it's, um, and it's not a gatekeeping. It's more of just, it's a private practice that, I mean, there's possible fear of judgment in that or rejection in that, but I, I honestly have never really cared about those things. It's more about, I suppose, making it palpable and tangible for the, for the public and um, speaking about my personal practices that could be useful for helping other people ha to tap into that whole realm of existence that we're taught and we're programmed to believe doesn't exist or that that's all, you know, woo-woo and, um, and anything that's impractical. When, when for people that are like me, it is very practical and it's, the, it's our whole existence. It's the way that we operate through intuitive means and through these practices. Like just last night, because I've been asking for um, the channels to be open again. I had my first uh, DMT-like dream that I haven't had a psychedelic dream in a very long time. And I could actually feel that I was in a lucid state and I was starting to see the um, the sacred, sacred geometry screens, as I would call them. And then I went into this dream of of all of these entities um, piercing through and pulling back this very visible veil, energetic veil, and dissolving it for me. And I flew through to the other side. And I could only hang on to it for a few seconds, uh, what it felt like for a few seconds. And because I didn't have a dream journal by me and because... Um, I woke up to a distraction. Uh, there was an alert in the food forest by uh, the rooster. So, you know, immediately it, it, it started to unravel and dissolve. But um, I'm going to be paying closer attention. Yeah, it's wild how, like, like DMT is the same, like, how <coughs> how vivid of an experience. It's, like, one of the most vivid things you can experience. And then, like, once... Yeah. But, but it's also, like, so fleeting. It's, like, once you're back, you're, like, mm. oh, man, there's that. And you're, like, but it's, like, a dream. It's, like, that's why it's good to, like, um, either have people around you watching you or just, like, taking notes or if you just, re you know, just record, say, just record it and somehow as soon as you're done. But, you know, that's why the whole point of, like, a dream journal and stuff. But yes, it's amazing how, uh, like, you know, dreams, how vivid they mm -hmm. can be. And it's just amazing how, like, once you're back in this world, you're, like, oh, like, right. I got to get back in the, I guess that's your you know, your ego, because in a good way, because you're like, oh, I got to, like, focus on this realm, and then, but it's just amazing how fleeting those are. They're very slippery. It's so interesting. That's always been kind of interwoven into my reality, though. So DMT, it just makes me giggle. It makes me laugh, because um, 
you know, I also know that you can release natural DMT exists inside your, your mind. You just, whenever you take DMT, it's a super concentration, just like any other alteration. And, um, you know, I've also, speaking of, of altering, I've always been a big fan of being altered because, um, it was just a wonderful way for me to play in ecstaticism, like being ecstatic and being able to channel even clearer because I wasn't weighted down by earthly things and by earthly energy. I could really just expand out. And I guess that, that is the way of the medicine person and of, um, well, the shaman. Yeah, it's. I don't like using that term anymore because it's been so. You know, we tend to have a. <laughs> I, I tend to have um, an aversion to using anything that's been mainstreamed, or or speaking to it. Anything that's been. Um, I mean, it's a Western term, like the like the siberia because they originally came from like siberian people but they didn't call yes. themselves shaman that's like what anthropologists called them but hey this battery is almost dead so i don't know okay. if you want to because I, I know i think we'll lose it if we don't save it so we can well let's close out let's close out with um possibly another deep breath and just uh intention thank you for joining us obviously i'm always grateful thank you for um entertaining our tangents and for hanging out with us for a time and expanding we love you expanding our awareness as well as your own i hope we bring something to the table that lights you up or brings you closer to home leave us some comments or like and subscribe please anywhere and everywhere you listen or watch this give us a rating yeah i'd really appreciate some interaction that really helps us get seen so that we can we're gonna feed that algorithm beast. <laughs> like, it's yeah. got a never-ending hunger. I'd love to be able to continue this practice Insatiable. And, and get better and better and be able to bring more and more to the table. We love you all from the fringe. See you next week. Love you. <sighs> Aloha.